You're listening to another hope-filled podcast from Life. For more information about our church, visit lifenz.org. You know, our values, we're in a, in a series during this month just about heartbeat. If you get the rhythms of your internal world right, then there's something that shifts in your external world. And uh, one of our values is the value of worship. And uh, we're just going to do something today. If you're up at north or south, we're able to link even in worship and we're able to just connect together. And I think one of the things that I feel like the Holy Spirit has been resurrecting is this fairly old song about the fact that Jesus is the center of it all. And maybe you are in church today and you go, you know what, I'm a long way from God. I want to tell you, He's not a long way from you. It's one moment in His presence that shifts everything that can't be shifted naturally. And I'm not sure about you, but some of us need a physical miracle in church. Come on, some of us need a shift in a circumstance that we don't have the ability to shift. Well, what I want to encourage all of us today is bring Jesus right into the center of it. And if you know it, just right now, close your eyes and say, God, this may seem impossible, but I'm going to worship my way into your presence. Come on, North, South, sing. Jesus acts His all. From beginning to the end, it will always be, it's always be you, Jesus. If you love Jesus, I want you to sing it again. Lift your hands, open your heart. Just let go. We're going to walk through the veil this morning. Father, I pray for miracles in your house. It will always be, it's always be you, Jesus. We're going to sing it again. Just bring Jesus right in. Let's let go this morning. Let God right in.
Father, we stand in the holy place, the place where we choose to see and to focus you only. We're in a world where so much happens, so much distraction, so much noise. And yet, Lord, when we look and see you, everything else becomes secondary. We pray today as we come to your word that every one of us whether we feel deserving or not, we'll walk away knowing that you love us. You are the answer to everything. We pray for those we're standing next to today. We pray a blessing over them. Pray that you meet them in a significant way in Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, give someone a high five or a hug on the way down. And so cool. Wonderful. I'd encourage you today if uh, you went in church last Sunday to go online and have a look at the first part of our message on heartbeat. Here at Life, we embrace values. We believe in the wonder of values because for us, it's true that true effective change requires both agreement and alignment. I think God sometimes looks at the church and says, you know, you believe my word and you're in agreement with a belief system, but you've got to activate that. And it needs to become the rhythm of your own life. And, you know, you can have, again, incredible challenges externally, but when internally you have alignment, it's amazing how God is able to move and do things. And I think I said last week as we began the series that I, I love studying and looking into what makes something or someone uh, effective and how effectiveness really works. And uh, you discover that effectiveness is the outcome of getting right culture and right DNA and the internal part of an organization core strength strong. And when that begins to happen, then everything else changes. I remember for me, Growing up in the church, I had this incredible challenge with insecurity. And uh, I was so worried about what everybody else thought. I was so filled with comparison. I, I kept second-guessing myself and always thinking, well, if I only had what they had, life would be so different. And God began to take me on this journey of saying, you're going to have to change the core, the way that you see, and you've got to start to see yourself inside out and begin to address, because you can't get rid of insecurity, but you can, again, isolate it so that it doesn't isolate you and who you are. And, and you face it everywhere. All of us have this internal challenge in our lives. And, and uh, again, for us as a church, parts of the kingdom, uh, well, all of the kingdom has values, but we have embraced these values and we use the word Westpac. If you're fairly new to life, it's that worship is our wisdom, excellence is our spirit, servanthood, uh, excellence is our essence, servanthood is our spirit, time is our testimony, people are our priority, partnership is our privilege, atmosphere is our activity. In other words, yeah, don't, don't be someone that just sort of sits back, bring something to the table. And communication is our commitment. If you don't communicate what's in the depths of your heart, you'll never be free. 
And we're going to be big enough to work with that kind of process and that level of alignment. Why? Because kingdom values enable personal freedom. And I think sometimes we're seeking freedom. We're saying, God, would you free me up? And God, I think, comes back with this thought that you need to embrace some kingdom values because freedom can't be found outside of divine boundaries. It's not like I, I'm just going to bring God into what fits for me. No, God says, you've got to work with what fits for me. And if you live the right kind of values and the right kind of eternal rhythms, then you'll win the war over sin and self. Because I've discovered that I've got sin that works at me and self that rises within me. But when I get my core values right, when I align myself internally, everything begins to change. Uh, I did a little bit of, uh, uh, again, just a look at heart rhythms again. Because this is all about heartbeat. And if you have an irregular rhythm, if your heart is out of phase, if it doesn't have consistent beat, you end up with arrhythmia. And arrhythmia is when the heart, or could I say the core, the internal part of who we are, is out of normal rhythm or out of kingdom rhythm. And of course, uh, arrhythmia is heart disease and, and issues that come from heart attack. And there's an imbalance of electrolytes. And often the, uh, the evidence that you have arrhythmia is that you have shortness of breath. Why is it always so hard? I can't find the energy to push through. You have, again, physical weakness. Sometimes we say that Christians get stronger. They just say, I can't. I just, I feel like I'm overcome all the time. No, no, you've got to get your internal rhythms working. You've got to get things happening. You have a headiness. Hmm, met a few Christians like that. Come on, big headedness. Fainting, chest pain, and even death can come if we don't have the rhythms internally working. See, I think we can have a God belief, as I said, but aren't activating the rhythms of the kingdom, the values, the core. So last week, we talked on one of the majors, which is people are our priority. Uh, at the end of the day, there is nothing you attain in this world that you can take to eternity. But we spend how much time this week around stuff? None of it we're bringing with us. And God says, don't you realize you can have stuff, it's good, there's nothing wrong, work hard, live well, enjoy what this world has, but you can't take it. You can only take people. And God, I believe, is wanting His heart to become our heart, not like, oh, well, we ticked that off last Sunday. No, we've got to activate continually this thought of engaging people moments. I, I am so committed to it, I can't go to a restaurant without engaging a people moment. Went into a, a cafe this week and, and just, you know, engaged again the people that are doing the cooking because I used to be a cook, so I know nobody talks to cooks. Only when things go wrong. It's like technical people. Are you with me in each of the campuses? It's like, did you, how, many, how many engaged moments did you have? I'm not saying how many people did you t talk to, just about nothing, but how many engaged moments? I want to talk today around this value, which I think is the foremost value. It begins how we just frame our values here at life. It's called worship is our wisdom. That the answer to something 
that natural things can't change is worship. And when we begin to understand that worship is really the foremost value, I think we begin to unlock a whole lot of what happens because we discover the why behind the what. Sometimes we're so committed to uncovering the problem or kind of trying to understand why it's happening and yet worship elevates us to a point where we begin to see life differently and we realize that as we worship God, we unlock the power of heaven. And because that's the truth, worship has always been contended for. I'm not sure if you realize that, but the enemy has always sought, his name by the way is Lucifer, is to gain worship for himself. When you do a study of the Bible, you'll find that there came a point in heaven where Lucifer was one of the angels that was serving God that had this change of heart and thought, wow, God gets all this glory. I wonder what that would be like if I got it. And so he made a decision. He wouldn't worship God for God, but he wanted others to worship him for him. And the account that we just discover in Isaiah 14 is that a third of the angels made a choice to worship Lucifer. In fact, if you go to the scripture in verse 12, this is what the Bible says. How are you fallen from heaven, O Lucifer? You are son of the morning. How are you cut down to the ground? You who, listen to this, weaken the nations. For you have said in your heart, I will ascend to the heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit on the mount of the congregation, on the furthest sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the most high God. Five times Lucifer recounted, I will. I will, I will, I will, I will. And I began to reflect and I felt like, you know, our will or the I will of our lives too often stands at the fore of our everyday lives. Even though we worship God on Sunday and we then wonder why we have a heart that's out of rhythm and why we feel weak and why we get heady, and why we spin, and why nothing changes, and yet we're in a culture where we're being encouraged to come back to the Word, and God's saying, do you realize that you need to elevate me above you? It's like, well, I don't feel like worshiping, so that's why I never lift my hands. That's a sad state. I will make a decision about how I worship. Come on, I'm going to go through this morning, because I I want to help us break through and get our internal alignment happening. People are our priority. I'm not the priority. People are our priority. And secondly, worship is our wisdom. So let me give you a couple of thoughts about worship this morning. The first is this. Worship is centered in honor. It's kind of like when we begin to realize who God is, we begin to worship God for who He is. We honour God as God. We don't honour God conditioned upon what we're currently experiencing. And I think we are in a world shift where me is at the fore of everything in life, every part of life, wherever you look, it's like you are you, you make your decisions, you do what you want to do, you feel what, you'll find freedom when you can make everything the way you want it to make. And yet God says, it doesn't work that way. 
It works when you come to a place when Jesus is honoured in the centre of everything. I, I was again reflecting, I spoke recently on Abraham receiving Abraham and Sarah receiving their son Isaac and then God says, I want you to lay down Isaac. And again this week as I was preparing, it's kind of like verse five came to me where it says, so Abraham said to the young men as he's on the way to sacrifice something that he didn't want to give, but God had asked for. This is what he said. He said, you young men, you stay here with the donkey. Listen to this. Isaac and I will go up yonder and worship. And we will come back to you. I wonder if worship is our wisdom or gift is our wisdom. I wonder if our wisdom is our experience or what's going well or we've learned that God deserves to be honoured. Our personal level of negotiation with God. Well, I'm not sure I want to do that, God. Not right now anyway. And yet this whole thought of worship is centred in honour you know that God knows best, huh? You know He's our designer. In a world that says we have no designer, He's our designer. In fact, 1 Samuel 2 and verse 30, those who honour me, this is God speaking, I will honour. And so as I develop a spirit of worship, I, I learn to lift God and honour Him before what hasn't come or after what has taken place. I'm beginning to realize that God is God and God is in that place where He can take us to levels I can't get to be. I, I remember this account when I was a teenager and I had experienced the presence of God, but I was going through a rebellious stage and whoever was speaking was speaking and I was sitting there thinking, yeah, it's true, I suppose. If God is God, then God is everything. And as a teenager, I just made that decision, all right, I'm all in. And again, I'm still all in. But some of us haven't made that. It's a conditional faith. It's like worship is not our wisdom. It's, it's what we see with our natural eyes, what we can understand with the minuteness of our natural brain. And again, God is created and is, sorry, God has created us as a worshiper. And it's our worship that blows out all the clogs, the blocks in the system and gets the heartbeat going again. And I think sometimes, to be honest, so many of us are still living by fear, not faith. And it's because we haven't honoured God above what is right in front of us and we don't see past what is there. And it's kind of like when you begin to worship, you, you move past the challenge and you release God in with His power. Because the truth is fear literally aborts faith. So you can have a, a, a thing in your spirit, but you'll never push through. Why? Because it reduces our God on it. It's like, well, this, I can't see how this is going to happen. And God says, did I call you to this? Yes, you did. God, would you honour me? Yeah, but if we could just see something, we'd be all in. That's why I love the song that we sing. You know, I, I'm no longer a slave to fear because I am a child of Him. Oh, come on. I need some help from the other campuses this morning. It's like, the level of honor, worship. It's like, how are you going? Well, I'm in the heart of season, but man, I'm worshiping now more than I've ever worshiped because I'm just elevating. I'm honoring God for who He is. And the enemy has always, since His, again, time in heaven, 
wanted to reduce God's glory because he wants the glory. Fear is what he uses. And again, we can break down the power of fear by elevating faith and honor of who God is. Uh, again, 1 Chronicles 16, 25, for the Lord is great. <laughs> great thing just to write out somewhere and just confess it every day. God, you are great and you're greatly to be praised. You are also to be feared above all gods. Well, I don't have any other, we don't have a lot of idols in our house here in New Zealand. But we got plenty of gods. Your God is the one that you honor first. It can be fear. It can be your past. It can be what's not happening. And you elevate it above God. And at that point, the enemy says, keep at that. Just keep offering your honor to the things that you think are in control. Because if you were to see how great he is, I'd have no ground to work on in your lives. Honor and majesty are before him. Strength and gladness are in his place. Give to the Lord, O families of the peoples. Give to the Lord glory and strength. Give to the Lord glory due his name. Bring an offering. Come before him, O worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. Tremble before him all the earth. When was the last time you're in a place in the presence of God? We couldn't stand. It's kind of like, well, God's my best mate. Jesus, he's my bro. It's like, no, you've got to get this. God was before time ever happened. You're in a season where there is an enemy at work and you're blaming God for what the devil's doing. He is great. And he's greatly to be praised. Who's our go-to? What's our go-to? Because that will give to you a simple understanding of who you're really honoring. And God says, if you would honor me, as we elevate God into his rightful place, we deny the enemy, the platform he has to attack. And I've just learned over the years, it's like, well, God, either you're God or you're not. And because you are, I'm gonna worship you and allow worship to be the center of my honor for who you are. The second thought is this, is that when we worship, worship activates self-surrender. It's kind of like I, I, I have many times had to come back to the place of going, you know, self is the thing that's driving me. And we will all worship at the end what we're gonna bow or what we bow our knee to. And I think there is a lot today, can I say this? Because again, I want us to be honest with where we're at. We're in a church environment globally that has an elevation of self-worship. Without even knowing it, it's kind of like, I'm in if, if I get something from this. And yet God says, no, I'm God. And whatever I ask you to do, will you worship and honor me? But will you also realize that like the enemy, Lucifer, his fall from grace was because self rose to the elevation of the honour. And it's like God saying, I know for us as a church, would you become more dependent on me? Would you, even if you can do it, constantly remind yourself that you can't. 
Because again, He's the one. Romans 1.20, I love the Bible. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, His eternal power, His divine nature have been clearly seen. Come on, you're struggling going, you know, I don't know if I can trust God with this. I often say, would you just stop in the busyness, forget the logic of the world, look at creation and go, surely there's a designer. I mean, how pathetic are we as a human race? That we just go, well, it just happens randomly. And yet we know best. Come on, every ant's molecule is different in makeup and design. Every leaf, you can't find an identical one, identical one globally. It's kind of like, don't you realize? If you just look at creation, you go, oh my gosh. God, you made that. Driving to, 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 to the central this morning, I said to Mary, look at that flipping sunrise. Look at the colors. Don't you allow self, your current human situation to be the definition of who you are. It's kind of like, would you worship? Would you lift? They've been clearly seen. Being understood from what has been made so that you and I have no excuse. Look at the balance of creation. It's amazing, isn't it? Nowhere in our known universe could we live the way we were created to live. Oh, it's just random. Oh, it's a big bang, two atoms. You need billions more faith to believe that than in the Creator. Come on, you're online. Each of the campuses, it's kind of like, some of us just need to resolve. God is God. And I'm not gonna let self, verse 22, it goes on, Romans 1. Therefore, they claim to be wise, talking about you and me, human beings. In their claim to be wise, they became fools. They exchanged the truth about God for a lie. Who's behind this, by the way? And they worshipped and they served created things rather than the Creator, who is forever praised. Amen. See, self, like Lucifer, like sin, seeks to become the decision maker in our lives. And I think, you know, I look at my time here on earth and I'm, I'm still around for a little while maybe. I was brought up in this age where all we were taught was evolution at school. So this is what we were taught, that science, the way we understand it as humans, is how everything works. There was no creator in the mix. Now today, we're wanting to remove scientific facts about the way we're designed as men and women and and we want to base it on feeling. And I was like, well, you can't say that in church. Why not? We're going to look at life from God's perspective and we're going to honor Him and say, hey, the truth is we're not here to judge anyone else's decision, but we aren't going to give way. Deception is the outcome of a drift away from the exaltation of a God that deserves to be honored. And when self gets in the equation, I'm, I'm putting it out there we got to realize, in fact, Jack Hayford, who was one of my mentors at a distance, great pastor in America, great teacher of the Word, he says, worship changes the worshiper into the image 
of the one worshipped. And again, for some of us, it's like, you know, we've been in church, we've heard all the rhetoric, we've been there, but who are you worshipping? Because at the end of the day, your stuff will rule you if you worship it. But it won't release you. And it's kind of like, I can't afford self to come into the equation. I, I, gotta, I gotta deal with it. John 3, 19. This is the condemnation that the light said Jesus has come into the world. But people like you and I can be guilty of loving darkness rather than light. Why? Because their deeds are evil. You see, this thought of surrendering self is not an easy thing to do, but when you begin to worship, you activate surrender. Two gardens. You'll know how Jesus went to the Garden of Gethsemane. And in the Garden of Gethsemane, this was His response to His Father in the midst of the most challenging, unbelievable time. What did He say? Not my will. I'm gonna worship you. I don't feel like it. I can't do this naturally. I'm gonna worship you. Not my will. There's another garden. It's called the Garden of Eden. And Eden, and the Garden of Eden where Adam and Eve had a choice to make. Their response was not your will, but mine. And that's why Jesus went back to the garden. To make a shift where freedom could re-enter the human race. And I'm just saying today, I, I suppose I'm pleading. If you just elevate, if I just elevate God, then self wouldn't dominate like it seeks to. And it's like there can be a shift this year that you really want. But surrender is the birthplace of alignment. And we get to choose. Don't have to, because God's a God that waits for our response. I love what the Message Bible says in 2 Samuel 22, verse 21. It says that, God, you, you made my life complete when I placed, not some of it, but all the pieces before you. God, He rewrote the text of my life when I opened the book of my heart to His eyes. And again, online, north, south, here at Central, maybe today, maybe this morning, God's going, would you, would you just open the book of your heart? Stop allowing condemnation, disappointment, the stuff that hasn't happened in the frame of your humanity thinking. Your mind is so minute compared to the wonder of my eternity. But if you would open up everything to the eyes of God, you wouldn't be condemned, but you'd begin to be able to worship and self would begin to diminish. And as you honoured, there would be a shift in heaven. You know, the third is this, is that worship releases divine authority. And I'm not sure about you, but I don't want to live just with my own strength. I don't want to live with the wisdom that I've just gained over the years. I want to live with the wisdom of worship. And worship is what opens heaven and it's kind of like you get to that place where you know that I can trust the God and I can release the power of God. Worship is my invitation and the opening of the door for God to move. 
And so then I can trust that now the door is open. Whereas as a human and in self, I doubt so often. And for me, doubt is this finite perspective that's incapable of understanding an infinite reality. It's kind of like, I don't care how you've been educated, your brain cannot fathom the workings of heaven. But when you elevate and worship God, God says, now you've invited me to come with the power of eternity and to change the generational curses, to change the blockages that you keep bowing down to and you begin to rise to new levels as worship becomes the centre of it all. I think some of you remember a time where I was with the students and they just asked me questions. One of the students says, you know, do you ever not feel like going to church? All sorts of questions. I said, absolutely all the time. Self is always there. But the answer I brought really has become a key in understanding something for me. I said to them, but what I do is I remove the question so I don't have to come up with the answer. Well, that could change your life. Stop letting your analytical brain try to work out a God that has no limits because you're going to spin like a top. But here's the thought, you know, as the teams have joined us across all the campuses, I love this thought that as we worship, the authority, divine authority, begins to make its way into my reality. That's why Jesus said to Peter, Peter, you're one of the boys. You've been in the Bible school. But I'm saying to all you boys, again in Matthew 16, 15, who's everybody saying that I am? Well, I'm, you're a good go-to person when it's all not working for me. You know, I wanna be in church now and again because I haven't let go of my belief. Simon Peter answers and said, no, 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 you're the Christ. You're the authority of the ages. You're the one that speaks and creates. You're the one that says the devil rack off and he has to move. You're the one that puts boundaries in place. You're the one that removes boundaries. You're the one that is the I am, the Alpha, the Omega. You're the one that just one breath from heaven begins to break apart the stronghold of the enemy. Jesus said, blessed are you, Simon Barjona. You didn't get this through the Bible school, your gift, your experience. You've discovered that Worship is your wisdom. You got that from my Father. And I want to say to you, Pete, on that understanding, that bedrock of revelation, I'm going to build my church. Come on. Somebody should be getting excited because what you've believed is not the reality. You do not need to stay the way you are. I'm going to give you the keys of the kingdom so that whatever, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, whatever you loose on earth is going to be like it is loosed in heaven. And yet it is. Our degree, my degree of human dependence that determines the degree of divine authority. So you rest a lot on your own strength all the time. I know for me, I've got to keep telling self, you're not the place. What I see with my natural eyes, you're not the truth of what's going to happen. Worship resets true north. Worship releases divine authority. Wasn't it Paul and Silas? Come on. In a prison, didn't deserve to be there. Chained by what every other prisoner was chained with. 
But I love how you recount the story in Acts 16. What happens at midnight? They began to worship. They began to lift. They began to sing. They began to create an atmosphere. Say, Lord, there's not much atmosphere around here. I'm going to be the atmosphere activator. I'm going to be the one that's going to, I don't care what people think. If I, I need to let go and I need to let God be elevated. And so they began to sing hymns to God. When was the last time you sang in such a way you frightened yourself? Oh, I want to stay conservative. I'm not that kind of, just get rid of that attitude and begin to say, I'm elevating the God of all glory, the God, come on, that deserves to be honoured, the God that activates surrender, the God that releases divine authority. And I love it in verse 16 of Acts 16. Come on, what happens? The Bible says, suddenly, suddenly, suddenly in my neighbourhood, suddenly in my family history, suddenly in when I believe the life is so long, suddenly, the foundations of the prison were shaken. I love this. Immediately, the doors were open and everyone's chains were loosed. Suddenly, 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 suddenly as I worshiped, God was honoured. Suddenly as I worshiped, self was reduced. We hope you enjoyed this podcast from Life. If you have questions or want to contact someone about this message, visit lifenz.org.